been spending the last few months, and really we've given our entire year to understanding the good news. Good news in four letters. Good news is gospel. And everyone believes a gospel. You may not believe the gospel, but everybody here, everybody you know, believes something that they think is right and true and best. And that's their good news. That's their gospel. And it's very important that you, first of all, know what your gospel is, but also realize how important that gospel is because the gospel you believe determines the life that you live and the emotions you feel. And the gospel is the gospel that saves. It is the gospel of God. And it's the power of God to save us from the, the punishment and power of sin so that we have peace with God, peace within, and peace with others. And, and that is a fact worth celebrating. And so right now we're, we're, we're spending this time of the, of the fall where we're focusing on good news celebrated. And here it is. The gospel is a fact worth celebrating. The, the gospel is good news. Because of the victory of Jesus, we can rejoice. And we're commanded to rejoice. We're right now studying the book of Philippians as a part of this series. And this little brief book, uh, some 16 times, tells us to rejoice or, or in some way references joy. And it is a command. We are commanded to rejoice. And we have reasons to rejoice. Christians. Those of us who have repented and believed the gospel, we have reason to rejoice. And one of the reasons that we're going to look at today is because as Christians, we know that our good God has a glorious goal for our life. God, who is good, has a goal for us. Last, last Sunday, we, we ended the sermon by me talking about the goodness of God and, and how he's such a wonderful father and he wants the very best for us. What we're going to see in our text today is that, is that he wants us to get on with his goal. And, and to do that, we got to trust him. It's so crucial that we trust God and choose to join God in what he's doing and the goal that he has for us. It's only when our faith and our feelings and the way that we function are under the lordship of Jesus Christ pursuing his goal that you can have joy. If, you're, if your life is disconnected from Jesus, you can't have the joy that, that we're talking about. Even, even if you are a, a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to understand, if your faith and your feelings are not connected and the way you're functioning in your life is not under the alignment of Jesus Christ, you can't have joy. It's only when our faith and our feelings and the way we choose to function is under the alignment of Jesus Christ and we're pursuing his goal that we have joy and we have reason to rejoice. I wonder if sometimes our father, God our father, doesn't feel like a, a parent uh, trying to teach his or her child to, to, to drive. I know there are a lot of parents in the room. How many of you have had the joy of teaching your child to drive? These people with their hands up, they understand what prayer is. Can I get it, all right? These folks know what faith is. Because this is challenging. And I wonder sometimes if God the Father doesn't feel like a dad, you know, trying to give instruction, wondering what is going through our minds. Maybe like this dad. Maybe you've seen this video. Watch this with me. While teaching his son how to drive a car, this dad thought everything was going smoothly until this happened. Slow down, slow down, slow down. Break, break! What were you doing? Trying to hit the cop? Some of you know his pain right there, right? What are you doing? 
You're trying to get a cop. <laughs> you know, I think sometimes, and I wonder if God doesn't look at us and say, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? What, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? What, why are you pursuing what you're pursuing? Do you not realize it, you're going to wreck? You're, you're going to not just hurt you. You're going to hurt the people who love you and care about you. What are you doing? The goal of God is for us to pursue what is best. That's his desire for us, plain and simple. He is a good father. He's so good, and what he wants is so right. And when we choose to trust him, and we pursue this, this wonderful goal of the Lord, there's joy. And our, our text today shows us what it looks like when we are. So hopefully you've got your Bible. If you've got your Bible, and I hope you do, let's go now to Philippians chapter 3. Um, we're going to be in verses 12 through 4.1, Lord willing. Uh, but my reader got the flu, sweet Caroline, who was baptized last week. So doing double duty today, y'all. Let's go. You're going to have to pray for me. So I'm just going to read a couple of verses. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. We're in Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 12 through 14. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, friends, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. If you would be seated and pray now for the preaching of God's word. It is, it is truly amazing what happens when we make the goal of the Lord our pursuit. When our, our faith and our feelings and the way we function are all under alignment. I want to show you this diagram again. I, I showed it to you a few weeks ago, and, and I find it very, very helpful. Be, because here's what's happening to a lot of people. There's a there's a disconnect between what they say they believe, their faith, and how they feel and how they choose to function. And whenever your faith and your feelings and the way you choose to function are disconnected, you can have no joy. You really will not experience peace. You're going to be missing out on what God's, this, God wants for you. This, dis, this disconnect from, from what is right and best, it, it, it just causes harm. And here's what you look like. You look like a new driver or a bad driver. You're weaving all over the place. You're going to run into something. You're going to wreck. The, the people who love you are concerned. You're anxious. They're anxious about what you're doing and, and what's going to happen. When, when we are living our lives under the lordship of Jesus Christ and our faith is in him and our feelings are informed by that faith and the way we choose to function is based on our faith and feelings, we will, we will have joy. That doesn't mean we're going to always like our circumstances. What it does mean is we will be content. And we're going to talk in a, in a week or so, a couple of weeks, about what that means. How it is we can experience contentment. How it is that, that this God who strengthens us to, to, to be able to experience the fullness of, of all that. But when your faith and your feelings and the way you're functioning in your life are disconnected, there is no joy. And you're, you're a mess. What, what God desires for us is best. What God provides is his goal. And when we're pursuing God's goal, we can be joyful 
Christians. And this is what our, our text shows us today. There's four things I would encourage you to write down and remember. What joyful uh, Christians, what joy-filled Christians do when they consistently pursue the goal of the Lord. So the first is this. Joy-filled Christians pursue Christian resurrection. Now you'll notice in all these points, the, the modifier is Christian because there's something unique about the Christian faith according to the word of God and how it is we pursue and understand words. Words matter. Uh, words ha give us categories. And so what we know as Christian resurrection, it's, it's not fiction, it's not fantasy, it's fact. It's the fact of who Christ is and what he's done. He's the resurrection and the resurrected king. And it's important to understand what God's goal is. His goal is that we would experience resurrection. Resurrection from the dead and resurrection power. So when you look at verse 12, and you, you'll notice the word this. What is this referring to in verse 12? Well, to get it, we got to go back to last week. So go back to look verse 10. In, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11 describes what this is. This is that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. What this in verse 12 is talking about is the resurrection. And 1 Corinthians 15 gives us a beautiful picture of what the resurrection is like and, and what we have to hope for. This is 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 42. It says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Please understand, this is a pursuit. It's not an acquisition. In, in this lifetime, we, we, will, we will never reach the fullness of, of the resurrection and all the power and the renewal of life. We are pursuing that. We, we will never do it perfectly until we are face to face with Jesus Christ in our, in our resurrected selves and our resurrected reality. But, but for now, what, what we can know is that God is calling us to a pursuit, to, to pursue Christian resurrection. And, and in that, in life, Please remember this. I said this a couple of weeks ago. I want to say it again. In life, God expects progress, not perfection. You're never going to do it perfect. You're, you're, you're always going to struggle. That's how it is in this life. But we can pursue it. We can pursue what God wants for us. And, and when we pursue Christ's likeness, we do so by, first of all, embracing a realistic perspective. Look at verse 13. And this is what we can all say. And if we're honest, do say. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. None of us is where we need to be. None of us have reached perfection. There are things that we still need to iron out. There are still things in our Christian life that, that we're growing into. Now, we don't need to sit there and feel sorry for ourselves. We need to get beyond where we are to get on to where God wants us. So we got to get beyond our past. Again, in verse 13, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Forget it. Listen, the, the, the success of the past, the failures of the past, in, in no way determine or, or indicate present or future reality. I, I like the way Babe Ruth said it. Yesterday's home runs don't win today's games. And yesterday's strikeouts don't lose today's games. We got to get past our past. And we get to get, get on with what God, God wants. We got to press forward to gain what God has for us. Again, back to verse 13. Straining forward to what is, lies ahead, 
I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, the pursuit. Look at that first word there. Straining forward. It is something we must press toward. It's not going to be easy. Many times we're going to feel the way this runner looks. It's going to be painful. It's going to be challenging. It's going to, it's going to hurt sometimes. It's going to be very, very difficult. Uh, some of you were running in the 10K Classic yesterday. And, and, and some of you are wonderful runners. But I know that some of you, for whatever reason, was a bad day yesterday. And, and you, you pulled something, and you stepped on something, and you tripped on something, and some of you went too hard, and, and you were pressing hard. Some of you heard me tell this years ago when a friend and I were racing in this, in this 10K Classic, and there were a group of ladies, the pink ladies, I think they were called, and they didn't even know we were racing them. They were oblivious to our existence, but we were not going to have the pink ladies beat us. So you know what we did? We strained forward, and you know what happened? They beat us. But it was a pursuit. We were pursuing. We were giving all that we had. And this is what God calls us to. Not perfection. He calls us to a pursuit. To a pursuit of what he wants for us. And this resurrection life and power. Secondly, joy-filled Christians pursue Christian maturity. Christian maturity. I love verse 15. Let those of us who are mature think this way. See, the goal of God is that we become mature believers so that we can gain the, the, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And to do that, not only do we have to run, we have to run rightly. It, it's not enough that we have faith. We must have uh, the appropriate and, and, and right feelings and function of life. Here's how Paul describes this in another place, 1 Corinthians 9, again with the metaphor of the run. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. You want to, want to, want to know one of the most challenging aspects of self-control is controlling your mind. It's mental self-control. See, if your mind gets away from you, little else really matters. And you may, your mind may be apart and you may be all disheveled and, and your faith and your feelings and your function, they may be out of alignment and you may be doing okay, but you won't for long. We, we must discipline ourselves. And mature believers, they, they think rightly. They, they, first of all, look what, in verse 15. They know they don't know. Verse 15, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. You know what he's saying? Uh, you don't know everything. And the moment you wake up and realize that, God's blessing you and he's revealing what you need to know. None of us have it all together. None of us have it all figured out. There is still maturity that we all need to experience. We need to, to, to just embrace that. But at the same time, realize we know enough to go forward. Look in verse 16. Only... Let us hold true to what we have attained. You may not know, you may not know as, as much as other people, but let me tell you this. If you know that Jesus is God, that he lived a holy life, that he died to pay for your sins, that he was raised on the third day and he's coming again, you know enough to go forward. You know enough that you have peace with God, peace within, and you can make peace with others. 
you can get on with the, with the goal that God has for you, this, this, this upward gift that God has for all of us who believe. And, and we will mature in that as we go forward. Third thing, joy-filled Christians pursue Christian models. Christian models. The goal of God is that we have and that we be models of faith. You know, if a, if a picture is worth a thousand words, a, a life has got to be worth a million uh, I had to, to, to be with a physical therapist recently, and there were a lot of words, and there were a, a, a lot of uh, pictures on a wall, and there were arrows, and there were instructions, and he could tell that I was not, <laughs> I wasn't jiving with him. So he started doing the exercises, and I was like, this is where we should have started. So I pull out my phone, and I record it. Yep, not going to do that. Yep, can't do that. Yep, that's impossible. But he showed me anyway, right? At least I knew what I was going for. There's something that, that happens that, that when we see a live example of it. Now, now, the Word of God is a written Word, it, and it is the inspired Word, it is the inerrant Word, and it is sufficient for, for all life and all of faith. And, and, and it is living and active. And, and when you're a born-again believer and you read this Word, there is something that happens to you by the power of the Word. But there's also a gift that God gives us, those of us who are spirit-filled, who read the word with, 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 with spiritual lenses, is it one another. God shows us what it can look like when that word is lived out. God gives us models. We are to model this for one another. We're to pursue models. And, and, it, and it's a tr tremendous help. It's important that we learn, first of all, what we are to do. Look at verse 17. Here's, here's what we are to do. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. It's also very important that we know what not to do. Look at verse 18. What are we not to do? For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. As a pastor, I've been so blessed to have been trained and encouraged and shown the way of being a faithful pastor by, by so many faithful men. And, and that's been a, a, tr a true blessing to me. At the same time, I, I've also sadly benefited by watching unfaithful pastors, watching unfaithful pastors ruin their marriage, ruin their family, make a joke of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And what I've seen in them is what I don't wanna be. What I've seen in them are habits. What I've seen in them are words and activities and attitudes that lead to that kind of destruction. So in both instances, there's been a blessing. There's been a blessing of a model. And what God wants us to be is a, is a good model, a model of a person who is pursuing Christ and, and modeling for others what, what it is God wants for us. And we need to be mindful that we're being a good model. And, and realize in our, our world, our world is filled with horrible models. We need to remember what the devil is doing. The devil is always advertising the pleasure of sin and never the consequences. The devil is always showing, oh, look, look how good this feels. Never shows the destruction that comes. I've, I've been saying to, to, to this to you for decades. Please remember this, sin Sin always costs you more than you want to pay. It, it, it always takes you further than you wanted to go. And it never gives you what it promises. 
Sin always costs you more than you want to pay. It, it, never, it never gives you what you want. It always take you, takes you further than you intended to go. And, and people living in sin, they may appear to have this enviable life, but don't you be fooled. Learn, learn from the psalmist. Learn from Asaph. This is Psalm 73. This was a guy who was watching sinful people apparently be successful. And he was really discouraged that he had been faithful to God. And he was thinking about giving up on God because he thought, what good is it if, if these liars and these cheaters and these thieves and these despicable people, if they're the success, why have I kept the faith? What good is it? So he, here's, his, here's his story in three parts, beginning in verse um, two of Psalm 73. I'll put it on the screen for you. He wrote, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He said, I saw these people, and it looked like they were getting away with all of it. So what happened? Verse 12. Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. What good is it to be good if, if, if those who succeed, those who get the benefit are the liars and the cheaters and, and, and the wicked. But then something happened. Verse 16. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Truly you set them in slippery places. You make them uh, full of, to fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Verse 19 of our, of our text sums it up. Look at verse 19. Here's a summation of what Asaph was saying. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Friends, do not be foolish. Do not be a fool. Please understand. A fool a fool is not someone who isn't intelligent. I put it on the screen for you. A fool does not lack intelligence. A fool rejects God and his way of life. Do not be a fool. When the Bible mentions something twice in the same book, we need to take double notice. This is Psalm 14 and Psalm 53. Psalm 14, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They're corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. Psalm 53, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt doing abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. Friends, don't be a fool. Pursue Christ. Pursue faithful models. Be a faithful model and enjoy the joy that comes with it. Last, joy-filled Christians pursue Christian promises. Christian promises. The goal of God is that we believe and embrace his promises. And the promises of God allow us to live with confidence. Confident people know the promises of God that tell them who they are, where they're going, and what they are to do. As Christians, we, we know who we are. Who, am, who are we? Verse 20, look at it. 
But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're citizens of heaven. That's who we are. We're children under the King, the King of Kings. We, we know where we're going. Verse 21. The Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Heaven's our home. That's where we're going. We know who we are. We know where we're going and we know what we're supposed to be doing. Look at verse 20. uh, I'm sorry. uh, Chapter four, verse one. What are we to do? Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for my joy and crown, stand firm. That's what we do. Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Every human being on the planet sooner or later will have a crisis of existence. Some call it the dark night of the soul. It happens to every one of us. At some point, we begin to question our existence. What's interesting, we're the only animals that do this. Dogs don't do it. Cats don't do it. Fish don't do it. Birds don't do it. And here's why. Because a dog's always a dog, a fish is always a fish, a cat is always a cat. These animals always are what they are, but not us. Not us. We are never who we were made to be. We were made to be image bearers of God, and not a one of us has done it right. And so there's always this conflict of existence. And so we're always dealing with, with, with life's fundamental questions. And that's what a crisis of existence is. It's when we're dealing with the fundamental questions of, of, of our lives. And, and we're always asking three questions. Here are the three questions that, that come with a, a, a crisis of existence. Who am I? Where am I going? What am I supposed to do? And there are a significant number of you here today that are struggling because you're wondering Am I who my family says I am? Am I who my friends say I am? Am I who my teachers, my coaches, my boss, my employees, what society says I am? Am I what I own? Am I what I do? Am I what I have? And you're struggling. Some of you are struggling about where you're going. And and some of you feel stuck. So some of you are, 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 I'm going nowhere. I don't know what I'm doing. Others of you, you're feeling You're not at all at peace because you're being pressured to go somewhere you don't want to go. You're being pushed. You're not going by faith. You're being forced in some way to to pursue something you you don't necessarily want. And some of you have been doing this for so long, you can't imagine doing anything different. And and, and here's, here's what you need to understand about your insanity. You know what the definition of an insane person is, right? Person who keeps doing the same thing, expecting a different outcome. And some of you are living insane lives because you keep doing the same thing you've been pushed into. You keep going at it. You keep pursuing it. And and, and it's not giving you what you want, what you were made for. So you're struggling maybe with who you are. Some of you are struggling with with, with where you're going. Others are really struggling with what you do. Some of you are absolutely terrified about this because you don't know what you're supposed to do. And you feel like you should. Some of you, and and for those of you who are terrified, not knowing what to do, you think this group is crazy, but here's the truth. There's some people here today who love what they do, and they're terrified because they know the moment will come when they won't be able to do it anymore. That child's going to go to kindergarten. Who am I now? That child's going to graduate. Who am I now? Someone else is going to be doing this job. Who am I now? Someone else is going to own this property. Who am I now? Someone else is going to be getting credit for this. Then who am I? You don't know who you are because 
You're having this crisis of existence because you don't know who you are. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what you're supposed to be doing. And I want to tell you, without the promises of God, you never will. You need to understand the promises of God and what God alone can do. Let me show you what you need to do. And I'm going to give you a diagram. You probably haven't seen this before. And we'll go ahead and put it up though. All right, so here's what you need to know. God's design is not what any of us experience. This world is not as, as it should be. And every one of us are experiencing brokenness in some capacity. And the, and the reason for it is sin. The reason you don't have peace with God, the reason you don't have peace within, the reason why you don't have peace with others, sin. And here's the deal. If you want to, you can keep trusting in yourself. You can keep acting insanely. Or you can repent. You can stop pursuing what you've been doing and instead trust in what Christ has done. Trust that he really is God. He really did live a holy life. He really did die for your sins. He really has been raised and he really is returning. And you can then pursue and recover God's design. And if you will do that, you will be saved and you will have peace. But that doesn't mean everything's just going to fall into place. When I was writing this this week, I was, I was remembering when I was back in college and I was pursuing my dream, what I wanted. And I felt God wrestling me, calling me to something else. And I didn't trust him. I'm just being honest with you. I didn't trust him. I thought my plan was right. I thought I had it all figured out. And I didn't want to give up all that I'd worked for, all that I'd done to get to that place, to be able to go for what I wanted. So I went to an event, a Christian event. I didn't have any friends. I was by myself. And this guy got up and, and sang this song, and it changed my life. It's a song by Michael Card, and here's the line. It's hard to imagine the freedom we find from the things we leave behind. God wants us all to give up trust in ourselves, trust in our jobs, trust in our children, Trust in our spouse, trust in what we own, trust in what we can accomplish to define us and to, and to press us. God wants us to trust him, to be defined by him, to do what he calls and he commands us to do. I trusted God. And I remember two years later sitting in a classroom reading C.S. Lewis and I read this. There are far, far better things ahead than any we leave behind. And can I tell you, I have never one day in my life ever regretted trusting Jesus Christ. I have regretted many things and every one of them, the source has been me not trusting God. But when we have a faith under the Lordship of Jesus Christ driving our affections, and determining how we function and our faith and our feelings and our function are all aligned under the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you what that is? That's joy. Trusting God's goal going forward in his way. And here's what I know. Some of you here today, you cannot do it because you're not a Christian. You're on your own. You're pursuing your own plan and you, you're headed for destruction you're driving all over the place, you're running and stuff, you are going to wreck your life. And you need to repent. You need to stop. And you need to turn to Jesus today.
Some of you are my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. But if you're honest, you're a mess. Because your faith is not driving your feelings or the way you function in life. You claim to believe something you don't live. You claim to value something that doesn't move your heart. And if you're honest, you're trusting in a created thing that you cannot keep. Stop. Repent. Turn to Christ and rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. And that's the only way it happens. So I want to pray for you, pray for all of us. And then uh, instead of receiving a blessing today, we're all going to give a blessing. And so if you don't mind, let's stand together. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to give a blessing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning and we thank you for what you have done. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for how you have conquered death and sin and how we can have peace with you and within and with others. And we can pursue the goal that you have for us. And I pray for any today who are not trusting in you, that they would not leave this place. They would talk to us, to me or someone with a lanyard on, and they, they would today make sure that they know that they are indeed found in Christ. Lord, I pray for brothers and sisters today who are struggling because they're not trusting in you, that God, today they would repent of that and there would be joy in their heart and peace and confidence, the kind that only you can give. And I pray that you would give it in Jesus' name. Amen.